The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. Nate, Pootie, Garage Mahal, Wetsy on the knobs and the tubes or the dials. I don't know what you say for those things. We're back. It's been a long, it's been a long time. I feel like we're in a constant flux of either getting back to it or just not recording. We were just talking off air, uh, so to speak, that we're really good in chaos or very structured or routine. Yeah, you don't want in us between. anywhere in between. Yeah. <laughs> in the trenches of, of war. And in a very controlled environment, those are the two places the rebels thrive everywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. We're useless to you. Yeah. Yeah. So we got out of routine. We'll we'll blame this one on Dave, right? Dave Dave has, if anybody has never seen the rebel tour bus (laughs) that we've never used, but it's actually just Dave's RV. It's this massive, amazing home on wheels. They were touring around and I felt like they were gone forever. They weren't really, but the, then we the, just didn't get back into routine of recording. The only two weeks that they were here in the summer, you were on vacation. Yeah, that's So true. it was like from like July Perfect until storm. now. But we are in October, so that's why I'm trying to make excuses for like, and then what happened in September, Nate? He, Dave was gone. In yeah, September. yeah, that's like, true. That was September. It's all Dave's fault. All that's right, what, like he doesn't go. have a microphone. He can't defend he himself. He also has the power of editing. So, so we'll see how this turns so, out so in this post-editing. Like, um, we, we have some breaking news. Yeah, we actually do have some breaking news. So we're actually going to start this episode like pretending we were all sullen. We are actually kind of sad that we were actually going to be missing out on the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference that's going on right now. So we are recording on Thursday, the Thursday that we would have been driving down to Knoxville in order to go to the Fight, Laugh, Feast network, we are as part of the, the Fight, Laugh, Feast network, we are supposed to go. Canada, the travel restrictions here have been crazy. And so Aaron Rock, us, um, Andrew DiPartolo, some of the other Canadian side of the Fight, Laugh, Feast network, we are all going to go down together. But we were waiting to see whether or not the restrictions at the, at the border would be dropped because we're all on lists and <laughs> all unvaccinated and all kinds of stuff. So Nate has a criminal record. It's fine. There's stuff going on. <laughs> but anyway, but it got dropped. So we were all going to go. Uh, we actually didn't. Chris and I obviously were on uh, on staff at a church. There's some deals going on that we just didn't feel like we could be away for that long. Uh, we'll actually talk about that a little bit later in the episode. But we, we decided sort of last minute not to go. But Aaron and Andrew were supposed to be crossing the border just moments ago and actually got turned around at the border. So I'm actually literally on my phone. Hey, Andrew, how's it going, man? Good. I am not in the United States. (laughs) That is true, but you know what you are? You're actually, we're recording for the podcast right now. So I thought when I saw that I missed your call and I saw in our thread that you guys got denied at the border, that I'd just call you while we were recording and talk about it. Oh, okay. All right. So so don't cuss or anything because you are on air. 
I will not touch. So what happened? You guys just got turned away at the border because you're uh, not jabbed? Right, because we are pure blood. Pure bloods. Pure bloods are getting turned away. So isn't this funny? We were just saying that we, we are waiting to decide whether or not to go to the conference based on the Canadian mandates. The Canadian mandates, which have been crazy this whole time, finally get dropped, and you're actually denied by the U.S. Border Patrol. So Aaron and I had a good laugh over the fact that for this brief period of time, with regards to traveling between countries, Canada is more free than the United States. <laughs> when was the last time we could say that about anything? Never. Seriously. I'm sure something will change and then it won't be the same again for like another 200 years. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys got turned away at the Ambassador Bridge, right? Yes. Yeah. And see, so just for anybody who's listening, and, and the, the reason they can't just go and try another border is because you basically get flagged for 24 hours when you're denied access. So you guys could get detained if you tried at a different border. I think the other issue is based on some of the phone calls I've had since um, reaching out to people who know a little bit more about this than I do. I think that part of what they do is they put a note and attach it to your passport saying unclean. Um, <laughs> unclean, unclean. So when, when you come to the border, they have town crier shaking a bell saying <laughs> unclean, unclean, so they don't let you in. I right. think that's, that's the rule. So even if I waited a day, if I were to try again tomorrow, I'd show up and they would say, oh, well, have you received two shots in the last 24 hours? <laughs> if not, you need to go back home. Oh, I've done man. two shots in the last 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did two shots. Just to... <laughs> give, me, give me three shots. I'll get over the border. My heart will explode. Yeah. But I'll be in the state. Yeah, that's crazy. So that means there's not going to be Canadian representation at the Fight Lab Feast conference. Mike Thiessen is going to be there. Because oh, good. Him, the journey from Kentucky was much easier, so he'll be there. Do we still consider him Canadian, even though he, he jumped ship? He is a Canadian citizen. Yeah, yeah, that's but fair. Everything has been approved, and so now he can... He's one of so them. There, I can assure you, <laughs> he has always been doing everything legally and above board. <laughs> I want to go on the record as saying he's never done anything to compromise his legal status. Everything is good. Well played. And so they accept their own unclean. They just don't want our unclean. Right. So I texted a friend who I was anticipating I was going to meet down there and we were going to do an interview. And he responded to me, just tell them you're Mexican. They'll let you in. <laughs> and, and, then I said, and then I said, I probably could have gotten away with it with my dark skin, but I didn't think about that at the time. Yeah, that's true. And so here I am. Oh, the Biden administration and the joys that come with it, eh? Yeah, so you would get well, in, but I wouldn't. Yeah. Aaron and I were talking about it, and this is what I told Aaron. There's probably a piece of paper on Biden's desk. All he has to do is check a box saying, let the unvaccinated in. But, you know, his three-month-long chemically-induced conscious coma, plus the fact that the, 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 the puppeteers, they probably haven't manipulated him like, like the weekend at Bernie's people haven't moved his hand over to sign it yet. So he's just waiting. But it's probably been on his desk for months, but they just kind of snap him out of his coma and then everything will be fine. I don't know if that'll make it past our sensors, uh, Andrew, but uh, that was good. All right. Well, I'll, I'll maybe give you a call later. Sorry to put you on the spot and, uh, and call you with uh, the recorder going, but uh, I just thought it'd be a, a fun little part since we were sitting down to record right as I was reading your messages. Yeah. I've been doing my own lamenting for the last three hours. For sure. 
You're a very forgiving man, Andrew. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care, guys. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It's ins- it's yeah, ins- absolutely that's, insane. That's brutal. So that's two years in a row, basically, that we haven't been able to go to the Fight Laugh Feast conference because of travel restrictions. First year because of Canada, second year because of America. At what point during COVID did, did it kick into you that you may never leave the country again? Right now. <laughs> just just was, right now. Just was, right now. <laughs> I was today years old. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's it's just, it is, it's a weird thing to think that like you can't travel freely and, and all that kind of stuff still. So Oh man, a, what a, a, a good friend of mine is a big Michigan fan and like, I'm a Michigan fan too, but not as big as him. And he was like, let's go to a game. And it was last season and Michigan was pretty good last year. And it was funny. Like, I was like, I can't. And, and he's like, Oh, right. Sorry. You're unclean. And like, he didn't use the term unclean, but he was like uh, a guy who would, who got the vaccine, but like regrets it now is right. the way I, w- I would say it. But it was just funny. Like I like, dawned on me. I was like, my days of even just going over to shop there, not that I did that ever, really, but I was just like... You can't even go to the Olive Garden anymore, Pooty. I can't go to... It's Cracker Barrel, man. Cracker oh, Barrel. Cracker Barrel. I might never have white gravy again, Nate. <laughs> um, but no, like it was... I dawned on me, I was like, I might never leave this country again. Like, Yeah, it's so, um, that's bizarre. Which is which is weird. Yeah, like, it is bizarre. I was talking to Gabe Wrench earlier last week, and and uh, so he was anticipating everybody going down. So sorry, Gabe. Sorry, everybody. Uh, we're not going to be there. Um, the nice thing is, is that Gabe is coming up for a conference uh, up here. So there's a church, the Church at War conference, uh, which is in November, November 17, 18, 19, I believe is are the uh, the dates. You are correct. At um, at Trinity Bible Chapel, uh, hosted by uh, Jacob Rayom and the crew. Uh, and so uh, the the documentary, The Church at War, uh, Antichrist and His Ruin, is uh, debuting then. So Gabe Wrench will be up for that. So that'll be our chance to, to meet him and fellowship with him since... Nothing else seems to work out. We were going to go to both. Like, it's yes, not that yes. we chose the Canadian one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's true. All right. Well, that was a nice little side tour from our uh, our debut episode back. Debut episode back? Yeah. It's like the episode like 200 here. Yeah, uh, I know. Fair enough. Um, okay. So we there was something we wanted to talk about. There was actually, we were going to kind of do a part one, part two. And uh, one of the joys for us, actually, uh, for this, it, I was just talking to uh, our church administrator about this uh, today where we really kind of started Rebels as, a, as an opportunity to minister to our own congregation at the time. And I would say not a ton of our people were like, it was a smaller church back then. There weren't a whole lot of listeners. People started listening to, to us in the States. Back in the day, we were part of the, the Berean Media Network with the Two Thieves and the Layman's Cup and all that. So people started listening to us more in the States than even around here. One of the things with the influx that's happened at the church is now we have several hundred new listeners that are in, in our church who have been like telling, hey, you should listen to my pastor's podcast and all this kind of stuff. A lot of those people came to the church because we started to tell, like we, they started to figure out we were open yeah. by the podcast. The podcast. And then apparently we just were never very good at telling like where we're located. And so like, it was like, I, there's a gentleman, I don't know if he'd be comfortable with me saying his name, but he was a long time listener, even during COVID was listening to us, realized we were open, but didn't realize the How proximity we were. Yeah. we were. And then all of a sudden one of us, I can't remember, I th- probably you just in Ingersoll. Wait a second. I, I can get to Ingersoll. <laughs> like it was like, and then like there's an influx of people. So yeah. it's pretty funny. Yeah. So it's, so it's, it's kind of cool for us. So, uh, and one of the things that I would say with the popularity surge at the church, which obviously partially because we stayed open when uh, most of the other churches around here closed and bent the need of the state, there's been an influx of people and it's been busy and all that kind of stuff. We talked about this ad nauseum, so we don't have to keep doing that. But 
One of the things that we've realized is obviously the more popular you are, the more prone you are to criticism, right? Mm-hmm. And and attacks and, and and that sort of stuff, which actually doesn't bother me. I, I, Chris and I both have pretty thick skin. That's cool. But um, we, we actually kind of thought that it'd be neat to respond to some of the criticism that we've been receiving like as a church, right? So we've responded to criticism on the podcast before that we're too mean and, you know, whatever else. But like as a church, and I think this might be actually helpful because I think a lot of the people who listen to us, or at least a lot of the people who listen to this podcast now, who've continued to listen to the podcast, have probably been pretty like-minded through all the COVID stuff because we were fairly opinionated on here and they just stopped listening if they weren't. So probably a lot of the people who listen to us are people who are like-minded that way, which means they're probably going, if they're Canadian, they're probably going to a church that was open that, and quite frankly, all the churches that stayed open are, are growing in, to some degree around here. This might be relevant. We're, we kind of want to take some time to kind of talk to our people here, but I think this will extend and there's some application to be had for people in other churches that are going through something similar. So what we kind of wanted to talk about was some of the the major criticisms or the, the main things that make our church controversial in other people's minds. And this has actually come out of, Chris and I were just talking about this and we're like, hey, let's do an episode on it. Because obviously we're playing catch up as two guys, as uh, pastoral staff at Crossroads. Uh, we're just trying to play catch up in terms of getting to know people. I think you guys, you, you guys like us have multiple, you know, dinner dinners and, and having yeah. people over at your house and going over to other people's houses multiple times a week, which is great. Like that's church life. But it's certainly like a sort of revolving door of just getting to know lots and lots of people. And so we've had two families into our home this week, and both of them were kind of talking about some of the criticism of our church. Both these families were sort of taking flack for attending Crossroads, both for the same reasons, which I thought was kind of interesting. So the first accusation is sort of that we're too political. And I think with that comes sort of the criticism, I would say sometimes more theologically minded individuals might actually criticize theonomy in particular. And I'm not saying these are the same criticisms, but it's I'll, I'll, I'll lump them together because I think you can answer them in, yeah. in a similar way, is either we're too politically oriented in terms of preaching against the government or, or talking about, you know, or too theonomic and too legally minded in terms of our theonomy and, and that sort of stuff. The other criticism is that we're too post-millennial, right? That our eschatology is bad or that we're, you know, we're replacement theology and all that kind of stuff. We don't care about modern day Israel and, and all that kind of stuff. So there's the whole like sort of end times es- eschatological criticism. And then the, the last one, I actually, I, I thought this was kind of funny, is that we're a cult. Did you know that? I agree with it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, um, yeah. So those are kind of the three common criticisms that keep coming up, which are just interesting. Like I just. So can I paraphrase? So basically what they're saying we are is we're a happy legalistic cult is what they're like. Cause like we're mean theonomists, but we're happy. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Like how, how could you be both things? I don't yeah. get, I don't get uh, Yeah. It's seriously. And, and I mean, I guess if you're, if you would categorize it as like, you know, our, our eschatology is wrong or our, our end times is wrong, then you could, you could label us as an end times cult. <laughs> that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds bad, right? <laughs> oh man. So anyway, I thought it'd be, I thought it'd be neat to kind of respond to some of that criticism, not because we, we necessarily care to respond to our critics in particular, but what was interesting about the conversations I had with these families is, you know, they're here, they love the church, they love the community, they're growing immensely, they're involved in, in, a small group like 
obviously we're biased here, but I think we have a great church and I think we have a great church family. And I think, you know, we don't do everything right, but I think we do a lot of things well. I think I posted on the internet like 10 years ago, we have the best church in Ontario. And it was funny because it was the only like Google review we had. And then all of a sudden, like <laughs> in the last year, we've had lots of like Google. When did Google reviews become a thing, by the way? Um, I have no idea. I didn't like, even know we had a bunch of Google reviews now. <laughs> they used to be just me. Remember when Google um, didn't even come to, like didn't even uh, point you to our church? Like we weren't even on Google Maps. I, I still think that is the case. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, because we're in the middle of nowhere. Which one do we want to start with? Do you want to start with, like, theonomy? We could start with the political side, no problem. The accusations that were too political, right? There's actually one gentleman who comes to the church now who didn't, uh, he was reserved for a little while. That you, This one will make you laugh a little bit. Was concerned that we were actually teaching that we we're going to overthrow the government by like military terms. Oh yeah, that, that was a guy that I uh, I got. Um, Dave is pointing out that it now does show on Google Maps where we are, but okay. um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a gentleman a gentleman came to me this couple, like January. Yeah, right? like but a couple like, months ago, but I can't even remember the sermon like that sparked it, but he, he came to me with like a legit concern, like kind of like hat in hand being like, I, I want to talk to you about your dominionism. I was like, okay. And he's just like, <laughs> so like, where do you guys see in scripture that you're going to take over the world like physically? And and I and I was thinking he was meaning like, oh, like we're going to build the kingdom. And he was just like, because like he was like, I'm I'm not comfortable with like us arming our people and taking over the government and overthrowing them. And I was like, wait a second, like what do you what do you mean like we're going to overthrow the? And he was like basically saying like he he thought what you were preaching, what like the other elders and were like pushing on the congregation was this idea of like build a militia. Take right. over, take over the globe, one way or the other, and that's where, like, that was the yeah. phrase that, like, so, it was one, yeah. And and it, interestingly, I, I remember going back to the sermon because I'm like, man, if I if I said something that seemed that way, and and I mean, I I don't mean to disparage this individual at all. I mean, you hear what you hear, and I, and I don't think you can unhear it. I don't think you can separate what's being said about the church, right? So he yeah. was he was being influenced as well by that sort of stuff. But I I'd said something about like people bending the knee to King Jesus one way or the other. And the one way or the other I meant is sort of like either on this side of eternity and you become yes. his or on or on the other side. Because, right, Philippians says oh. that one day every knee will, con- yeah, exactly. will bow and every tongue will confess. So everybody will bend the knee to King Jesus. But the one way or the other was like the good way, aka before you die here and the, the curtain closes on your life here or or after an eternity and you're going to, re- and it's too late. Yeah. But, but he, he interpreted that to like one way or the other. That's like, that's part of the funny thing about like his criticism. Like there, I actually could see where he was coming from. Cause I don't know if people probably listening to this. A lot of you guys will know, but like not everybody, but like we run a martial arts fitness academy at our ch- at church training people in Brazilian jiu-jitsu jin- jin- and a kid's karate class. And then you and were, you I, were ran, re- I ran gun like licensing courses at the, at the church. And so a whole bunch of 40, 50 people at our church in the last year have got their, um, like applied for their gun license probably in little, Canada. It's crazy. That, the amount yeah. just simply because we want to have it just in case Trudeau takes it away. And like, you know, there might come you're a not time. helping here. You're not helping. Yeah. There no, might but, co- but the come a time where is, we have to hunt for our food and stuff, right? right? Like, but on top of that, it was just the laws are changing in Canada in such a way that he's making it more difficult. So there were a bunch of people who were sitting on the fence about getting their gun license in the first place. It was like, hey, you better get it now before opportunity is, is harder to get it kind of yeah, thing. And so we ran point. several through the church so that, you know, usually in Canada, when you take a gun course, you're, you just take it in a community center or whatever with like eight or 10 other random people. Well, we were like, hey, we got like 
you know, 60 or 70 people in the church who want to do it. Can you come down three days over the next couple of weeks and we'll just have guys sign up for it. So, no, we've done four so anyway, so we had, yeah. So, so we are arming our people and <laughs> I'm saying things like that. And so anyway, this guy got the idea that we were going to overthrow. So anyways, I just say all that to say, like, I could see how people would put this, these things together if they're hearing also that we're, you know, we're too political and all that kind of stuff. So I guess my response to that, you're too political. I'll go two different routes. You're too political in, in terms of you talk too much about politics or whatever, and then we'll go the theonomy route. But we'll start with the politics side of things. Mm-hmm. I do think that there would be people who would come to our church who would think that we talk too much about politics, but they would think that because other churches don't talk about politics at all, Yeah. right? So I'm, I'm a firm believer. Um, it was Charles Spurgeon who once said, I preach with a bi- the word of God in one hand, and a newspaper in the other. And what he meant by that is I take the word of God and I preach to to my people, but I apply its principles to what's going on in their actual lives. So I think some of these churches that just didn't talk about COVID, didn't talk about the convoy, didn't talk about what's going on politically in their, their churches, I think they're actually doing their people a disservice, right? You're not discipling your people how to apply the word of God to think through the cultural issues that are going on right there in their lives. In fact, this podcast was started partially because we wanted a platform to talk about things that were going on culturally in the lives of our people. And the truth is not, we we preach ex, uh, exegetically at the church. We just work our way through a passage. So it's not like I can twist a sermon to, to make the application that I want there fit. It does have to arise from within the text. And so this was an opportunity for us to talk about, you know, the Gillette commercials and the, you know, whatever else was coming up in the culture that was causing some sort of controversy, some Grammy speech or, you know, what, you know, all, all that you? stuff. Yeah, 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 what have you. Um, and uh, so anyway, so I do think there would be some people who think that we are too political because we just, we do talk about it sometimes. We, we talked about what to think about COVID, what to think about the trucker convoy, what to think about elections, how Christians should be approaching their, their role as a citizen, how, how to approach, you know, federal, provincial elections, all that kind of stuff. We talk about that at our church because the, we want the word of God to influence every aspect of your life, which means it doesn't just form your theology or what church you go to on Sunday mornings. It affects where you work, how you work, what kind of a neighbor you are, what kind of a co-worker you are, what kind of a husband you are, what kind of a father you are. If the theology that you're getting on Sunday mornings isn't dripping out of your fingertips the rest of the week, then it's it's all for nothing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would add two things to that too. It's like Please. one, the overwhelming message in the New Testament is Jesus is Lord, right? There's That's a reason right. that even that f- the phraseology of that is that way is because in the culture, particularly like in the, in the Gentile world, it was Caesar is Lord, right? That's and right. so like the, the Christian gospel message is a political message because it's a kingship message. Right. And so you can't like, again, we will probably talk about this many times, but we have lost the idea of the kingdom, which means like it makes sense for churches who never talk about politics to never think of Christ as king. But we, I would say, emphasize that at, at Crossroads. And so by emphasizing Christ's kingship, it's going to just naturally be right. a political sounding message because that is saying that, Trudeau isn't king, right? That's and right. he's not sovereign. And what are the two things we, your theology is like our, our church's theology is based on post-millennial optimistic, optimistic eschatology and God's sovereignty. Yeah. Those are the pillars. Exactly. Um, his kingship and his kingdom growing. So like, it's going to come up all the time, but that's, I would, I would say, and here's the second thing I would say is that's a healthy thing because we, we very much, I would say, treat our church gathering as a family gathering. That's right. Um, it's a very large family gathering, but it's a family gathering. And when you sit down at the dinner table with your family, what yeah. comes up? That's right. Hopefully, if you're listening to this, what comes up is the 
word of God, and then how to apply that to culture. And in the last three years, how to apply it to culture has been universally tied to politics. Exactly. COVID, politics, vaccines, mandates, lockdowns, sphere sovereignty. So those things have come up naturally because they need to come up naturally. And I would say, again, I would say it's a healthy thing because a pastor's job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Yeah, that's right. You would have been a failure to us as a, as a pastor if you didn't help us live through these last three years with a biblical worldview of how to, how to navigate these kind of conversations, these kind of, kind of things. So it's funny that that's leveled as a criticism at us when it's actually the thing that we like, not to give you, pro- but it should be something that is actually praised about what we've done at the church. And when I say we, I mean like the, like universally everybody in our church, yeah. um, which should get credit for this is, is just in terms of like right mindset of how to navigate. Cause we want to apply what we know of the word of God to culture around us because we don't let the blessing that we've been given from Christ to expire on us. Yeah, that's so. right. You make a good point. Close, tight-knit families, what do they talk about around the dinner table, right? They, they argue about religion and politics, right? Like, And so we talk at our church family gatherings, which is you know Sunday morning, the fellowship, all that kind of stuff, small groups. We talk about the things that are prevalent in our lives. And so the, we do have to talk about these things. In Canada, we've never had any leader as aggressively anti-Christian as, as Justin Trudeau, right? He's, he's called Christians out of step with Canadian values, all this kind of stuff. So we, we really are living under a petty tyrant who really is trying to seize more power than, than others before him. And that's, that's not just my political opinion. That's just legitimately what's been going on, right? He, he took churches out of the summer jobs program. He's, you know, there's, there's a whole lot there. And I think that if, again, if a church isn't talking through those things, this affects you, this affects your children, this affects your grandchildren. And so if we're not figuring out how to live in this world, though we're not of this world, right? Politics is a big part of that. How do you exist as a, as a citizen of heaven and a Canadian citizen at the same time, right? I would tell our people when they receive that sort of criticism for our churches is actually kind of embrace it, right? Like, um, yes, I'm a part of a church family that does equip me to figure out how to think through what's going on in the world around me. Absolutely. The other thing I would say, like, so we've, we've just owned that criticism mostly, but I would also say, like, I think most of the people who came and we, how many times do we hear in baptisms that we've had, we've had tons and tons of baptisms over the last couple of years. And I think that's, that's one thing that some other churches might not understand is that we're not just gathering a bunch of freedom fighters at our church here. We're baptizing new believers, but a lot of people did come and they were like, I came to protest and I found Jesus, right? There were, there were a lot of people who started coming because of the political stance we were taking, but that's not what kept them here. What kept them there was God's word, getting a hold of their heart. Christ regenerating their heart, all kinds of things. We've backslidden Christians who've come back to faith, non-Christians who have been become regenerate, families that have been sort of like, so I just say all that to say, if you came, I think you'd be shocked at how infrequently politics actually comes up in, in the, in, from the pulpit. But certainly in the foyer and everything, like people, this is what people are talking about. The other thing I would just say is that I think better than talking about the Leafs or the Jays. Or yeah, like, it, well, exactly, right? Like, and, and we do talk about those things and, and the Jays are about to embark on a playoff journey starting on Friday. Um, but I just look at this and I'm like, you know, you can always tell the depth of relationships based on the depth of the conversation, right? My superficial relationships with, with certain people that I have nothing in common with, that you're trying to, all that kind of stuff. Like I'm painstakingly talking to some of my non-safe neighbors 
trying to relate to them. And I am, I'm talking about the Jays, I'm talking about the, the Leafs, I'm talking about whatever, trying to get into conversation, trying to navigate to something more in depth. And so praise God that we have a church family that, you know, are, are talking about the nitty gritties of theology. I, I can't tell you how many times we walk through the foyer and people have their Bibles open arguing, but arguing in like a brotherly sort of way, it's great. So I think that's a healthy, healthy part of uh, the church dynamic. I would say that in terms of like one of the reasons why sort of in the foyer and in the small groups and stuff like that, conversations keep getting turned this way. I would, I would say two things. I would say number one, for a lot of people who work in secular environments, church family life has been their dose of sanity. They're masked up, they're gagged, they're, you know, they would be risking their jobs to talk about some of the things, say some of the things that they, they now have the freedom. They come to church, they don't have to wear a mask, they can come and breathe easy, they can come and fellowship with like-minded people, and they can say, yeah, isn't this nuts? Some of these people, they've all lost jobs because they wouldn't get vaccinated due to mandates. So faithful employees of a certain company for 10, 12, 15, 20 years losing their jobs because they didn't want to put an experimental vaccine in their bodies. Like, so those are the kinds of things that knit people together, right? And and people, uh, relationally, people get knit together in sort of the furnace of trial and tribulation. And that's what happened with this church family over the last couple of years. And so there are tight-knit relationships, and, and, and maybe that's part of what leads to the accusation of us being a cult, by the way, but we'll get to that in a later episode. That's what happened, is church became the place where people could communicate with other like-minded people, and it was their dose of sanity. The other thing I would just say is maybe a, a warning or a rebuke or a, an encouragement to our church family is we, we do have to make sure that that's not what knits us together. We do have to realize the temptation to stay obsessed with the thing that knit us together. But I think God brought us together at that time for a reason, and now he has us moving forward. And, and I don't want us to get caught looking back, right? We don't want to be Uncle Rico, you know, in yeah, Napoleon yeah. Dynamite, he's just living in the past. I, I bet I can throw a pigskin over them there mountains, right? <laughs> uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't want to be Uncle Rico, who's just living in this nostalgic past, right? God brought this church family together for a reason. He has, and he has something to point us towards in the future. And so I would say, let's, let's work hard at not getting caught in that rut. You know what I mean? We're going to talk about the other, one of the other criticisms is our optimistic outlook and it's funny even there it's just like we can't we can never stay full we're always got to get better we yeah, always and, always moving and forward. it's like the this idea of like yeah always moving forward don't look back the our best days are not behind us yeah, they're, right. they're coming yeah. um and like it's one of these uh these, these ideas and like people are shocked when they hear that because you the freedom fighter is the idea of like let's hunker down let's let's get trained because war is coming and it's yeah. like war is coming, yeah. but it's war we've won. You yeah, know what I mean? That's, that's right. And it's just this, this great mentality that actually one of the underlying things is that it's actually infectious. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like you talked about how many people came for the freedom, how many people came for a dose of normality, but they've stayed not because of our stance and I'm presupposing a lot of things, but yep. they've stayed because the happiness and the optimism kind of sings to their soul a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I think um, so too. In a world sure. that says everything's going to crap, we are very much like with some other churches, but like very much a pillar of saying, no, no, it's not. And we're going to hold the line to make sure it doesn't through the power of the spirit. You know what yeah, I mean? Amen. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that's good. We'll just do another episode for the other ones. Otherwise we'll be here for all day. Yeah, sure. That's great. All uh, right. All right. Well, that's, <laughs> that's criticism number one. <laughs> Can I say one more thing? Please. You were saying about, we can't stay, can't stay where we are. 
the message then is we have to be on mission together. So then Absolutely. to lead into the next thing, what is the mission? And so like, if you want to stay as a unified body or how do you get to be a unified body, you get on mission together. That's good. You should, you should end all our podcasts on a cliffhanger like that. That <laughs> makes people listen to the next one. Good job. So if you want to know what the mission is, come back next stay time. Tuned next stay time. tuned. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. Stay tuned.